I believe that you, you motivate people, uh, you know, you, you've got to give them something to reach for. But some of us are extrinsically motivated by things like money, but others are intrinsically motivated by things like, you know, pats on the back and public recognition. So I think you have to understand your people a little bit to understand how are they motivated. Welcome to the Sound of Automation, brought to you by Clayton and McCurdy, CPAs for growth-driven businesses. Hello, and welcome to the Sound of Automation. Uh, I'm Brian Perozic, your host, and joining me today is uh, Kirk Armstrong of Armstrong Sales Coaching. Kirk, how are you doing today? Hey, hello there, Brian. Doing great. Thanks. Excellent. Well, uh, meeting today, you know, to talk about uh, a topic that I know you and I have spent spent quite a bit of time here talking about uh, recently and, and understanding, but but the idea of building high performance sales teams. You know, in in my conversations with uh, with a lot of automation company owners and distributors, you know, this topic has come up quite a bit lately that, you know, one of the areas they see their business really struggling is, you know, in the sales area. And and coming from an engineering background myself, I understand that, that, uh, you know, something that might not be second nature to a lot of folks in engineering and, and fields like that. So I uh, appreciate you taking some time and, and coming in to, uh, you know, to share some of your thoughts with us. Well, thanks, Brian. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Anytime I can have a chance to talk about uh, sales and sales development, I, I enjoy it. So I appreciate you having me on. Excellent. So maybe just to kind of kick things off here, I guess, can you give us a little bit of your background and kind of how you got into this world? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so many times people that do what I do for a living, right? Sales development and sales coaching and consulting, that sort of thing. You know, it usually stems from somebody that, you know, maybe maybe started in sales just like I did. And, uh, you know, maybe they uh, worked hard at it. And it certainly was my case. I, I don't know if you could have worked harder than I did at trying to be good at sales. And after all, I had a lot of pressure because I had uh, friends and family. And, and in fact, most of my family members were in the field. So I, I had this, uh, you know, internal drive to succeed to kind of, uh, you know, to show them I could do it. Well, you know, you get into the field of selling and boy, is it tough. You know, if, if you've never been trained and had never have had any training, you can suffer through, um, you know, things like rejection and um, not getting a hold of the people you want to get a hold of and not knowing what questions to ask and what to say. And that was certainly me. So what I did was I found someone like myself that was good at this sort of thing. And I was hoping it would make a difference. And not only did it do so, it, it really changed my life. Um, all of these challenges and struggles I was going through, um, they didn't immediately evaporate, but they started to get easier and things started to make sense. And I couldn't believe that I didn't figure it out on my own. I thought I was a pretty smart guy, but it, it wasn't that easy. So once uh, once you learn from somebody else, as you know from, from anything that you've done, and you see there's an easier, better way, you start to take that path, which I did. And that helped me elevate through sales, through sales management, vice president, directors of sales, through with these different companies. And you know what? I kept bringing people like me along the way. So I brought trainers in, and I, I would learn from them. And I learned so much that I got pretty pretty good at this stuff. And that's when, at some point in my career, I decided, you know what, I, I'm so good, I thought, at this, 
sort of thing, the development of people. I think I'll do that for a living. And that's how I got my start, um, which is, I think, commonplace for someone in my field. No, oh, that's great. And, and, you know, I think it's interesting too, you know, just in what I've seen throughout my career, right, is that uh, I go back to my engineering days and we didn't hire true salespeople. You know, it was typically an engineer that saw that as their career path. And so they went over to our sales organization. And even though they may have held the title of account manager or salesperson or whatever it might be, they really didn't have that training that you're talking about and and the opportunity to learn those skills that are completely different than what they would have learned in their in their formal education. And and now as we start to see the demographics shift and everybody's competing for this smaller and smaller pool of talent, at least in my conversations with business owners, you know, there's there's a lot of guidance counselors and and teachers and other people who influence uh, the direction that that kids are going to take their careers encouraging people to go into engineering or you know uh, or, or other areas and you don't hear too many people saying you should really go into sales right and so now uh, now you've got this need in the market and people um, you know they're they're trying to figure out who can be their good salespeople and and maybe they try and bring somebody, internally and move them into that role or they they look outside but that's not an area that they're used to recruiting for so that's kind of what the impetus behind uh, today's topic was so uh so to kind of jump right into that you know based on your experience in the work you do what are some of the keys to building a high performance sales team you know that's a great question i i think you should have a process um, you know, and, and some people might know this step already, but I believe when you go to try to find salespeople, first of all, you've got to know what you're looking for. Um, and, and once you figure that out, you know, to me, you have a very good interview uh, and interviews with them. That's one leg of the stool, if you will. The next leg of the stool to me is the resume and really getting good at how to read a sales resume because lo and behold, I know this might seem uh, hard to figure out for some people, but sometimes people don't always tell you the truth on <laughs> resumes of what they've accomplished in their sales field. So you've got to, that's the second leg of the stool to me. And the third one is assessments, you know, just assessing someone with an outside tool to help you understand, you know, can, not can they sell, but will they go out and make sales happen? So I think if you use that, that, that three-legged approach, if you will, um, you know, that, that helps at least initially. Yeah. And, you know, something you mentioned there, especially because you've got some experience in industrial sales, you know, what are some things that if, if you were in one of these owner's shoes and trying to hire for that sales position when, you know, hey, sales isn't your background, so you don't know what necessarily may or may not make a good salesman, what are, what are some of the things you might look for on that resume? You know, that's a great uh, question, Brian. So obviously, you know, there's some obvious stuff where you want to know what they've achieved. Um, I like to, to ask really detailed questions when I read something on a resume that says number one or grew the territory, you know, 150 percent. Um, I'm not taking that for face value. I'm going to ask a lot of detailed questions about how did you go about doing that? Uh, you know, t tell me about some of the accounts that you were able to open or some of the accounts that you were able to grow and tell me how you did it. What was your strategy that you that you pulled together? Um, help me understand how you built those relationships and even to the to the granular questions where, you know, when you heard somebody that was objecting or didn't really want to speak to you, what did you do about it? How did you go about it when you heard the word no? 
uh, I think testing people like that can be really important in an interview instead of just taking it for face value. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for detailed explanation as to what they've done and how they've gone about it so that we can determine, am I buying into their their uh, strategies? Do I believe what they're saying? And do I agree with uh, with how they went about doing it? Yeah. And it's, and I like the other point you made about the, the selection tools, right? You know, I know uh, a lot of companies use disk profile or some other personality profile predictive index to kind of evaluate the individual. And so that's almost kind of that next level of, okay, well, we know, we know this individual is going to be in this specific role. So let's find a tool that's really focused on that to help you kind of solve some of those problems. So true. Um, you know, a lot of people think that, unfortunately, a lot of people will hear that, um, hey, you know, you're really good with people, you'll be good in sales. And I just think that's a, a really bad way to look at it. That's that's a tiny little component that sometimes will fail uh, that person because um, we want to test for things like, uh, you know, need for approval. What's their need to have to be liked by by people out there in the world? Um, you know, what are their buying patterns? Because the way we buy is the way we sell. We know that about people. So to, to study, not not are, do they have a nice personality? Do I get along with them? Do they seem like an assertive person? To me, it's more about what makes up their mental makeup. You know, are they a, are they a, a self-starter? Are they a hard charger? Um, you know, are they going to be good at, at being curious and asking the right questions to uncover, you know, what the needs are of the customer? And to me, that's what those assessment tools are supposed to do. They're supposed to teach us not about the personality, uh, but more about their, their mental makeup mm. and, you know, their, their ability to do the things that we want them to do when they're out there on their own. No, that's, that, that's fantastic. So let's, Let's now shift uh, shift to the next step, right? So we we found yeah. the person, and now we've got them in our organization. And and I see this a lot too, where uh, and I'll take just a a system integrator as an example, right? That's a that's an organization that's largely going to be comprised of engineers who are doing highly technical work. What recommendations do you have for for a business owner who's who's working in that environment where maybe the sales team is just a small subset of the overall you know employees? How do you train and develop those folks in the same way that you would train and develop your engineers? It's easy to send them to the the FANUC robotic you know programs and those kind of things because those are abundant for their industry. But now you've got this kind of niche group of employees within your organization that don't do what what the business is set up to do. So I guess any advice on on training and developing those people? It, it, another good question, uh, Brian. I, I think um, where people make a mistake is where they allow their individuals, let's say it's an engineer, to, to sink or swim on their own, and they don't give them a lot of help. Um, this might sound self-serving, but I'm a big believer in sending people to a long-term reinforcement tri type training like ours, where you know, you're going to learn uh, over time. It, let's face it, we're trying to change habits. We're trying to undo some of the belief systems they have. We're trying to you know, train them on techniques that it's going to be hard to learn in a day or a three-day session. You know, to me, uh, any session or any training that isn't at least six months long, where you're attending weekly, uh, you know, you, you're probably not getting exposed to enough things and you're not able to break habits. I mean, 
I equate it to nothing, you know, to uh, other things like karate, judo, martial arts, uh, learning a new language, learning the guitar or an instrument. It's no matter how good the trainer is, if you go one time and you're there all day or you go three times and you're there all day, it's not enough. We need to probably do it weekly, practice and come back and practice and come back. So I'm a big believer of uh, A, reinforcement training. And I'm a big believer of uh, having sales meetings that expose them to things that they're going to be struggling with. You know, talk about in your sales meetings about what do you do when someone says, no, we don't want to see you and talk about it. uh, If it's if you're not training them, train them yourselves and and at least discuss some of the trials and tribulations they're going to go through and uh, maybe even role play what you're going to do to get out of those situations, because without it, what people are going to do is default to their own makeup uh, and they're going to make it up or they're going to follow somebody that they saw once that probably wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I can, I, I know I can personally attest to, to the first point of your response there that, you know, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now. And it seems like every time we have a conversation and we're talking about something, I, I walk away with some other, you know, kernel of knowledge or something. And I say, okay, I, c- I can do that a little bit differently next time. Uh, and and just continue to work at it because it's it's like everything else. It's a uh, it's a skill that as soon as you stop working on it, it's gonna it, just like with working out, right? If I if I stop working out, the muscles are gonna start to atrophy. Everything, all those gains are gonna start to go away. So uh, absolutely, great. So um, kind of somewhat related to that because I think that when you're when you're talking about employees, you know, inside there's a lot of talk around. How do you motivate and incentivize uh, those employees? And it and it becomes a little bit of that paradox, right? Of whatever you measure is what you're going to get. So if the if the incentives are purely based on number of calls made or or dollars of revenue closed, they're not necessarily incentivized to focus on is that a good sale and something we want to pursue. So I guess how do you how do you recommend businesses approach that issue of incentivizing and, and motivating salespeople? Uh, Yes. You know, it's a big problem right now because, believe it or not, things like money motivation are actually decreasing uh, each year. And we we study this stuff and we we assess people. We know that the money motivation has gone down dramatically through the years. So um, one of the things I'll say that I that I want to say that some people won't like, but it's very difficult to motivate people. So when we look for sales individuals, we want self-starters because if you're not a self-starter and you need motivation, uh, that can be that can be a struggle. That's a whole story for probably another day. But the question is, how do you motivate people? Uh, you know, I, I believe that you you motivate people. Uh, you know, you you've got to give them something to reach for. But some of us are extrinsically motivated by things like money, but others are intrinsically motivated by things like you know, pats on the back and public recognition. So I think you have to understand your people a little bit to understand how are they motivated? Um, Are they reaching for that goal that that can be satisfied through incentives and money and trips uh, and that sort of thing? Or do they need to be, um, you know, rewarded by intrinsic rewards, patting them on the back and acknowledging their work and making them feel important? Um, I think it's important to recognize that I think KPIs, as you mentioned, is another excellent tool where you're striving to reach a certain goal, whether it's 
a leading indicator of things you want them to notice coming up that can forecast versus lagging something that happened in the past. Both can be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, motivation is a, is a funny thing. I I think with uh, the, the, the short answer is I think you've got to have goals and you've got to measure them with them so that they understand what they're going for. You know, what, one of the biggest complaints I get from individual salespeople about their owners is I don't know how well I'm doing. I don't know if they like the type of work I'm doing. I don't know if, if I'm doing the right things. And that's probably lack of guidance and lack of goal setting. Yeah. And and in some way that all kind of ties back into the to the concept of accountability, right? That yeah. if you if you don't have clear goals, don't have clear expectations, and then are measuring those, you know, we all hear the hear the horror stories about someone going in for their performance review and finding out that they did something 12 months ago that didn't meet expectations, right? So so accountability becomes a, a real critical, and that's across the board in organizations at every level, accountability is, is critical, but it it's the same as the case within the sales organization. I agree, I agree. And there's, you know, the, the tough part I think for owners is there's a difference between accountability and micromanagement. And you've gotta be very careful uh, with a really good salesperson, if you've got them on staff, you don't want to micromanage them because uh, they don't need the accountability like someone else might. Yeah. Something I find interesting is we kind of talk through this and obviously we put our outline together a while ago and I didn't even see this thread, but you know, you, you see that the thread run through all of this that, you know, if you start with the the selection tool and you understand a bit more about the person, now you can kind of figure out what's going to motivate them, what's going to incentivize them. And then also what's the best way to kind of keep them, you know, keep them on track. You mentioned there's, there's going to be certain people that you want to be more hands off and, and Hey, let me do what I'm, I need to do. And I'll, I'll get you the results. And other people are going to want to have that regular check-in and, and the opportunity to let you know, Hey, I did this today. I made these calls. I closed this business. And and that gives you then the chance to provide that pat on the back or the, the kind of rewards that they might be looking for. Well said. I agree. Excellent. So I guess, Kirk, last last question for you then. If I'm a business owner and I've identified that that business development sales is kind of my number one issue that's plaguing me, that I'm not uh, I'm not seeing the type of performance that I'd like to see, what's the the one piece of advice you'd have for them on how to get started in in addressing that challenge? And I know that's kind of a, a tough question because it all depends on what what the real issue is that's driving the the lack of sales, but you know, something general that might be a good starter for them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I it, If you look at companies that fail, and I think each of us maybe have read articles or books on, you know, why companies succeed and fail. There's, there's, there's thousands of them out there, right? Um, and, and if you look at why most companies fail, oftentimes it comes down to cash flow. Uh, issues and and because of cash flow issues, we we look well. Why do they have cash flow issues? They're not getting enough business. Why do they have not getting enough business? They don't have enough leads. So one of the first things I'd have people look at is just you know, are you getting before you get into training and quality and all that? Are we getting enough quantity of of potential new business coming in or at least opportunities and and likely. When companies are not doing well, that's why, right? They're not they're not bringing enough opportunities. Well, that might seem obvious, but the reality is, I would first address that problem with my people. If you have an existing staff, 
you know, if they're A players, B players, or C players, we've got to hold them accountable to the actions, to the behaviors, if you will, that is going to drive opportunities. Once we have the quantity of opportunities where we'd like it, and let's say we're not closing enough, now we can start worrying about quality. And, you know, what do we say in these meetings to close more? How do we compel others to move forward? And that's why we train people. But I think initially the biggest piece of advice is make sure you or your people are, are doing enough of the right things to drive new opportunities, whether it's the new, new business or new growth within existing, uh, existing business that you have. Um, and if we're not, if, if, you know, most companies are dabblers. They, they do a little bit some of the time. They go to events some of the time. They make some calls to, to good customers once in a while. And that kind of activity isn't usually going to get it done. It's got to be consistent. It's got to be disciplined behavior that you block out time for and, and you do it. Um, and and that, that, that's kind of my biggest advice. It might seem obvious to some, but, you know, what's easy to do is sometimes easy not to do, as a famous uh, guy once said. Exactly. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great piece of advice to kind of kind of put a bow on this. So, um, if any anyone listening to this podcast, you know, if they happen to say, "Yeah, I, I like what Kirk has to say," and and I think that we might be able to utilize his services, or at least you know, have a conversation about something you said, what's the best way for someone to to reach out to you? Yeah, sure, Brian. Uh, you know, the easiest way is our website because that's where all our social channels are, like. Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and, you know, Instagram, that sort of thing. So if you go to, uh, you know, armstrongsalescoaching.com, you'll see all of our social on there. And there's there's tons of information we give uh, for free on how to become better at, at the, uh, this game of sales. Um, and we even have a YouTube channel these days where you can go and look at Armstrong Sales Coaching and find us that way for some uh, free sales tips as well. Excellent. Well, look. Kirk, uh, as always, uh, great talking to you. And and I even, like I said, I picked up one or two things here just as we've been talking. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Brian. Always a pleasure. And uh, so, so great to join you today. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like us, subscribe, and share on social. To learn more about Clayton and McCurvey, visit us at ClaytonMcCurvey.com. That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-M-C-K-E-R-V-E-Y.com. We thrive on finding the solutions for you.